0: Under the mistletoe with you, shopping with you.
1: Hello <laughs> and welcome to the Sound of History podcast. We're back finally. Yay! <laughs> it's been a long time.
0: You want to tell the you want to tell the people what happened?
1: Well, we had like two weeks off a long time ago, just because of life and busyness. And then we were about to get back into it, and then we had a mandatory two weeks off because of quarantine, because I had COVID, and somehow Mika did not.
0: I either have the absolute best immune system in the world, or I had it, like, way, way, way back.
1: But I don't know how you would have had it way back and me not have it way back. I know, it doesn't know. make sense. But for some reason, she didn't have it, and I did, so we had to be separate. They should probably be testing like two on weeks. me. What?
0: They should be testing on me. Yeah. I don't Your I don't blood get has the
1: vaccine or whatever. <laughs> that's Dolly Parton's secret. She just took your blood and gave it to Listen, Vandy. Listen,
0: Dolly like can <laughs> have my blood. <laughs> that's fine.
1: Yeah, so that's why we've been gone for like over a month.
0: Yeah, don't recommend having to uh, stay separate from your spouse in a one-bedroom apartment. <laughs> not a great time. Not a great time separating from you and not a great time sitting in a bedroom for <laughs> 10 days.
1: And a wonderful time. I don't know what you're talking about.
0: Yeah. I well, guess. Could've hopefully,
1: hopefully we're back right in time for the holidays.
0: Yay. Yeah, you you can listen to us while you drive to see your family if that is a safe thing for you to do.
1: Yeah. And that's it. That's the only time you're allowed to listen to us.
0: It's the o- it like, why else would you <laughs> be wasting your time? <laughs> you have to be really bored. <laughs> I'm kidding.
1: All right. Well, since we haven't done this in so long, you should have a lot built up for Mika is the host now.
0: Mika is the host <laughs> now. I think on this, I think that this episode of Mika is the host now is solely going to be Christmas music recommendations oh because way. I'm very passionate about my Christmas music and this is the only time that it's applicable.
1: It's holiday music to you.
0: No, to me, it's <laughs> Christmas music. <laughs> um, um, starting, starting off on a really high note, um, my absolute favorite Christmas song is How Many Kings by Down Here. I think it's beautiful. Um, it is of a very religious, um... Persuasion. Yep. It's, it's so beautiful. It's absolutely my favorite. Um, highly recommend that one. Um, on a different note, Instrumental Oh Holy Night by John Fahey and Richard Ruskin on Spotify. It's beautiful. I don't know. It's just a really nice instrumental. Cool. Yeah. And then, um mistletoe by justin bieber get over yourself (laughs) if you don't like that song it's wonderful also i think the ultimate mariah carey christmas song is oh santa okay because i am absolutely tired of hearing
1: uh, (laughs) i can't
0: remember what it's called
1: all i want for christmas
0: everyone knew what i was talking about it's fine oh santa is better it is It's better. Is it
1: better or is it just less played out?
0: I don't know. And then finishing really, really strong. um, The Oh Hellos have a absolutely delightful four song EP of just really beautiful, like, folky versions of hymns that all like blend into each other and it's absolutely a beautiful piece of music. That's probably my favorite album besides the ultimate Christmas album. A Charlie Brown Christmas. Charlie Brown Christmas is like the ultimate Christmas album, but everyone should already know that.
1: It's the ultimate Christmas album for you. No,
0: it's the ultimate Christmas album. I disagree. It's the ultimate Christmas album for me and anyone with sense, <laughs> and for Vince Guaraldi.
1: <laughs> okay, well is that that's it. That's Mika's. Mika's no longer the host now.
0: This was a really important one for me. Thank you for <laughs> letting me have this platform to to share what I'm passionate about.
1: <laughs> okay, so Mika's no longer the host now. So now, do you remember what we've been talking no. about? No. <laughs>
0: I don't remember when it was like a week in between. I definitely don't remember when it's been like a month and a half. Our
1: last episode was um, about Muddy Waters. So we did like a blues part two. And We're in the middle of our slow march up to rock and roll. Rock and roll. We're a few episodes away from that. So we'll probably get there in like three months.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember who Muddy Waters is. I don't <laughs> even know what's happening.
1: Who's a legendary Chicago blues musician?
0: I feel like many of the musicians we've talked about are from Chicago, so yeah. I don't know.
1: Well, I mean, we talked about the blues and that, we, like, our blues part two is mostly about Chicago blues. Chicago blues, blues yeah. yeah. We talked about, uh, who's the other guy? That Howlin' Wolf. We talked about him a little bit. So we're going to continue
0: I'm focusing. I'm sorry.
1: We're going to continue our build-up to rock and roll by talking about one of the biggest and most influential genres of this time period. Blues part three. <laughs> no, rhythm and blues. R&B! Yeah. So what do you know about R&B? What is your definition of R&B?
0: Hey my children, Jackie and Wilson, rhythm, on rhythm and blues.
1: That... <laughs> 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 is not a description <laughs> it's not even Listen, an example that's what of i think of
0: <laughs> yeah it's not pretty sure
1: and that's not a rhythm and blues song it's not a definition of rhythm and blues i don't know what i'm supposed to do with that
0: <laughs> that's what you're getting <laughs>
1: so what who is an artist you think of when you think of r&b Do you know any? Beyonce. I don't know if that counts. Yeah, uh, we'll count that. She's pop, but I guess R&B too. Okay, well, I mean, the R&B of today is kind of different than the R&B of back then.
0: Mary J. Blige.
1: (laughs) So this (laughs) this is also going to be a very short episode. So we're going to, you know, depending on how often and how much you derail it, this is going to be a short oh episode. Oh, get ready. It's a short script anyway because this was a very hard genre because it's not really a genre and we'll get to that. But it's still important to talk about and, you know, we'll ease people back in. They've taken a long break from our podcast, so we'll ease them back in with a nice short one. Or oh,
0: I could be the worst podcast co-host in the history of the world and not pay attention in the slightest.
1: That doesn't make you the worst. That just makes it normal. You never pay attention. I do. (laughs) I just don't retain it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So R&B at this time, which you know, I feel like it needs to be said, we're in like the 50s-ish. Like early mid-50s. Maybe a little 60s when we talked about The Temptations, but mostly the 50s. So R&B at that time was more of a catch-all term for music that people didn't really understand all that well. Some early rockers were actually called R&B artists, people like Chuck Berry and Bo Diddley, and some bluesmen were called R&B when they electrified their blues and started using more than just classical instruments.
0: Electrify.
1: <laughs> yeah, we talked about that when we talked about Muddy Waters and how he started using amps. He uses like the electric amps and Yeah. Because people couldn't that. hear him when he played acoustic in clubs, so he had to make it loud. Even some doo-wop artists were considered R and B, if like depending on who you asked.
0: That seems like the opposite of R and B. Eh, really? I don't know. Okay.
1: Like I'm just thinking of like the Temptations because they're I guess the they, biggest yeah, doo-wop artists true. I can think of, and they work. I R&B.
0: still don't necessarily think of them when i think of duop which is silly cuz <laughs> i hear it but yeah. they're just not where my mind goes
1: so anyway r&b is very hard to define because it's pretty much all over the place and anything you want to call r&b there's probably some people who called it r&b at this point which makes us the perfect people to completely define it and say what it is
0: i definitely <laughs>
1: you're qualified feel
0: very overqualified actually
1: considering your definition was a lyric from a non R&B song
0: <laughs> listen anything could be R&B in this time so really <laughs> i was just doing a i was uh, th- this is a callback okay to that when i u- i gave an example very early on okay you're welcome
1: <laughs> R&B as a style of music has been around predominantly in African American communities since like the 1930s But the term, like the actual term, rhythm and blues, wasn't used until the late 1940s when Billboard invented it as a musical marketing term. Basically, it was a way to categorize the music happening. So it wasn't like, I mean, I guess that's kind of what all genre terms are. Like jazz became a term to describe the music that was already happening. The same with blues, I guess, so... But like this is the first time where a company was like, we're going to call this kind of music this. As a marketing term. Yeah, and that's what Billboard did. R&B was thought up, like the term R&B was thought up by a guy named Jerry Wexler in 1947. At the time, he worked on the charts for Billboard. He thought, along with growing public opinion, that the term race music, which was at that point the, call, the catch-all term for any music created by African Americans, was demeaning and insulting. So in 1949, Billboard Magazine made the change and started calling that category Rhythm and Blues instead. We talked a little bit about race music, but we talked about it a while ago, so I don't expect you to remember anything about it. But yeah, it's just like a race records were just when the companies realized that African Americans had money to spend on music. Now they started recording African Americans and marketing it to those communities. So Rhythm and Blues is kind of the same thing, just a less insensitive and demeaning term and just as a little aside jerry wexler went on to become one of the biggest names in music industry through the next 30 years he was responsible for signing and producing acts like bob dylan the Almond brothers led zeppelin and ray charles so he was went on to become a pretty big name
0: who are the almond brothers
1: all men there's no d it's just all men Popular group. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> okay. I know who they are, but I don't know how to explain them to you. We've talked a bit about it already, but rhythm and blues, along with most of American music, owes a great deal of debt to the to uh, like a period of time called the Great Migration. Do you remember what that was?
0: Is that when? People were moving to the north to escape, like, southern racism? Yeah,
1: basically. Okay. The first Great Migration happened in the early 1900s when African Americans left the South in the face of Jim Crow laws to move to more urban centers up north. But the second Great Migration happened around the end of World War II, between 1941 and 1950. The African American population of western cities grew by 33%, with about 340,000 African Americans from such states as Texas, Louisiana, and Oklahoma, settling in Southern California for employment in the region's expanded defense industries. So it was like Southern California was kind of booming because of all of the war production. So African Americans moved there for jobs. Similar patterns of migration took place in the Midwest, to places like Chicago and Detroit, and in the east to places like New York City and probably like Philly and Boston and all the cities up there. <laughs> what was that?
0: Just wanted to experiment with oh. some noises. <laughs> okay, okay. You put a microphone in front of me <laughs> and you think I'm not going to make weird sounds.
1: We're on page one and you're already bored. That's fine not
0: bored. There's I just don't have anything to this, say. So. It's not boredom. Just, just hanging there for it's two more nothing pages. nothing to contribute. And so instead, I contribute. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> so at the beginning, R&B was closely tied to African American youth culture and played in a lot of honky-tonks and after-hours clubs.
0: The youths. Yes. Youths. Those darn youths. <laughs>
1: Because of that association, R&B was considered lowbrow music, especially when, when compared with jazz, which was considered the more highbrow form of musical expression, specifically for African-Americans.
0: Do you find yourself doing the adult thing now where you're like, oh, I hate what kids are listening to?
1: Sort of. I don't know. Like, I have a weird perspective on it. Because, like, while I wouldn't... There's some stuff that kids listen to that I'm like, yeah, I get it. I like it. Mm-hmm. And then there's some stuff like the like the SoundCloud rap stuff, like Lil Peep and Lil Uzi Vert and Gucci Mane and all these rappers.
0: Little who what vert?
1: <laughs> Uzi? <laughs> Lil Uzi Vert, yeah. God, I'm so Th- There's a lot of people like that where I'm like, I just don't get it. But at the same time, I understand because like it's just loud, emotional, aggressive music made to piss off parents
0: that's basically what you listen to
1: it's what i listened to as a kid yeah <laughs> but <laughs> like so like i get it i'm like yeah but it's not for me so that's why i don't like it It's not like for. You. That's i'm a not good a point. teenager trying to piss off my parents so this music isn't for me that's why i don't like it
0: that's a good point
1: but yeah so sort of like i understand both sides i understand why parents and adults would be like i don't like this music but then i understand why kids do I'm
0: coming around a little bit. I think it's partly because of TikTok. <laughs> because, like, the little stuff will get stuck in my head. Yeah. Like, I can't tell you how many times Doja Cat just, like, plays in my head throughout the day. Well, she's
1: more traditional <laughs> pop. She's not really the... I guess. Because, like, I'm thinking a lot of that kind of more grungier rap is this generation's emo. And they this d- generation's yeah. punk. in this genera- Like, they don't really listen to... Punk music. They don't listen to AFI or My Chemical Romance anymore. Like they're listening mm-hmm. to these underground rappers who have like the same true. attitude. But or you know, Machine Gun Kelly's bringing pop punk back. So <laughs> <laughs> he released basically a straight up early two thousands pop punk album. Okay, like his most recent album was just a straight up pop punk album.
0: Do we need more pop punk? Yes. Do Let we? <laughs> anyway <laughs> that was a good derail oh yeah, that, that was, good was a tangent. good question look at me
1: yeah i just also think it's very it's funny Can, like back when we talked about jazz remember how much the adults hated jazz as like the it, it was the youth culture it was they the,
0: made it fancy yeah for their and now, now fancy they're like dinner <laughs> parties and, <they're> like, <laughs> yeah, and now all the
1: fancy adults are like why don't you play jazz like a respectable person I just think it's fun. Like, that's just how it's always going to be.
0: Adults are dumb.
1: R&B was closely associated with a form of music called jump blues that was emerging that at the time.
0: awesome. <laughs> Tell me more.
1: In the 1940s, a band leader from Arkansas named, okay, Louis yeah. Jordan, Louis Jordan, don't it's know. It's
0: probably Louis.
1: I, don't, I feel like it's normally Louis. It's just we're conditioned because of Louis Armstrong to think it's Louis. Let's
0: pretend that we're best friends and that we can use nicknames. We
1: are best friends.
0: I know that we're (laughs) best friends, but we need to pretend that we're best friends with good old Louie Lewison.
1: Can we just call him Lou then? Yes. Okay. So Lou Jordan started to add a little boogie woogie into blues music. His small group of musicians were one of the pioneers creating this new sound. They incorporated humorous lyrics and upbeat rhythms.
0: Humor and music.
1: (laughs) What? Yeah, they're the first Lonely Island. (laughs) (laughs) They were massively successful, and apparently, Lou might rank fifth on the list of most successful African-American recording artists of all time. Behind who? Well, I saw that in an article and can't actually find the list. Like, I just saw that stat cited, but like, I looked everywhere and I couldn't find... Who actually did the research to come up with that. So I don't know. Bummer. That seems like it can't possibly be true. But yeah. like Drake, has Drake, Beyonce, like these people are like modern African-American artists are selling an insane amount of money. They're so
0: just selling their money.
1: Yeah, exactly. But, you know, who knows? Might be true. Maybe he was that popular for such a short period of time that he just, he is the fifth most successful. Who knows? Lou got his start in Chick Webb's swing band in the 30s, which dominated New York City. We I talked about that Chick name. Webb. Do you, Do you remember anything about him?
0: No, I just know that the creepy blonde kid on um, Riverdale's name is Chick, and I thought it was yeah, a same weird. Same guy, it's the same person, I'm the same guy.
1: Yeah, Chick Webb was the drummer who did a lot of battle of the bands. We talked about him in Swing, I think. Okay,
0: I kind of remember that.
1: Yeah, and he was the. Ella, I think, got her start singing for his band, so that's cool. Yeah, so we talked about him back then. After working with Chick Webb, Lou moved to Los Angeles, where he saw a lot, where he saw a lot of success, both as a recording artist and in films. His six or seven-piece band was known for blending swing with the blues, using common African American vernacular, and utilizing a call and response between Lou and other members of his band. Do you want to hear a song?
0: Yeah.
1: Here's a song called Caldonia by Lou Jordan.
0: What's that mean?
1: No idea. Oh, he's
0: so cute. Look at him go. Hey, boy. Hey, boy. Hey, hey! what no, you doing, I man? It.
1: Hey, what you going? What going to do? That, that ain't the piece we supposed kid. to play. Come on. Well, I guess I better get out of here with room it. I'm not going to do that. Oh.
0: A good time. It's just a good old fashioned jam sesh.
1: Walking with my baby, she got great big feet. She's long, lean, and lank, and they had nothing to eat. But she's my baby, and I
0: love her just the same. Crazy about that woman, cause she's Caledonia her is her name. Caldonia! Caldonia! <laughs> what makes Ooh. your big head so hard? Mom! I love you. Love you just the same. <laughs> I'll always love you,
1: baby, because Caldonia is precious. your name. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, that's Caldonia by Lou Jordan in his band.
0: <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Jump calling out her big hips. I love oh. it.
1: Jump blues became synonymous with R and B. But some people drew a distinction between the two genres. They said that R and B had heavier gospel influences than jump blues did. But jump blues was more instrumental and poppy than R and B. Regardless, the two genres kind of like grew up at the same time, so they were always kind of mixed and intertwined. R and B had a wide variety of influences from A wide variety of players. There were basically two styles of R&B at this point. Large group and small group. Can you guess what those mean?
0: It means that that Lou had like eight people in his band and some people only had like three. (laughs) Yeah.
1: As the name implies, large group R&B was for singers and musicians who were holdovers from the big jazz and swing bands. People People like Count Basie and Lucky Melinder these large pieces focused on individual singers. Small group R&B was for groups of 5 to 7 players where they took turns being highlighted.
0: 7 people is small? Yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> so I guess Lou technically would have been a small band. But yeah, so the large ones were very singer focused. Here is an example of large group R&B band by Lucky Lemon.
0: a big fat mama. I think he's being hypocritical because all of those moms
1: have Big fat mama yeah, yeah. I want a big fat mama
0: yeah, yeah. I want a big fat mama yeah, yeah. I don't appreciate him singing mama. this to me with his skinny I mustache I don't trust him to respect women got
1: to be big and round who can really go
0: <laughs> Stop teaching the youth to disrespect women! Look at these ladies! Oh, oh. she she got a booty. Okay.
1: I'm serious, that is, is the face mine, of
0: a douchebag <laughs> I think
1: that's Trevor face If I had a mine,
0: mine. Y'all know what I'm talking about That skinny little mustache And you're just like, ooh, you're gonna say well, something disrespectful No, but you know <laughs> You know
1: all Right, well that's Lucky Mo wonder. I don't think I specifically chose that song. I think I just searched for Lucky Melinda and went with, like, the first one. But I'm glad it was that one. That was fun. That only has 938 views. It needs more. Hey, the only comment on this video. What? Is, who doesn't? <laughs> it's the only comment on that video. You good down there? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm just picturing like an older man who just learned how to use YouTube yeah. and thinks that he's talking to everyone and so like...
1: All 900 people who watch that maybe? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now here's an example of one of the smaller group R&B bands with a vocalist, Roy Milton.
0: Let's see if he knows how to treat
1: I don't think it's going to be how a Big Fat mama.
0: Oh, I like this.
1: I dreamed of heaven saw my baby there. I dreamed of heaven like saw my baby there. already pulling out different instruments. I In the first one is just your baby. <laughs> solid ascenders. that's a ton of fun the birth of r&b was really centered around the big cities but most notably los angeles where a lot of the labels were now based out of of course there were still chess so it begins yeah (laughs) of course there were still chess records in chicago which we already talked about and they were one of the biggest labels at the time but they prided themselves on more traditional blues they didn't have a lot of swing sound
0: They're not about the (laughs) youths. Well,
1: I mean, they are.
0: They're purists. Because they they want their classic.
1: They're the ones who kind of birth rock and roll. Uh So, Los Angeles at this time was the home of music in general. Most of the labels and industry execs lived and worked there, because this was also the point where like Hollywood was exploding, Mm. and pretty much any successful music artist was in at least five films. So it is like they just all kind of it was easy for those two industries to just kind of merge in the same place.
0: It's like the opposite of now. Yeah. Now you start off on Disney and then you <laughs> go into your pop career.
1: Yeah, basically.
0: Or Nick, sorry, Ariana.
1: But in nineteen forty seven the I, I wrote the song of a Turkish immigrant, but I think it's the son of a Turkish immigrant founded Atlantic Records, which switched the power back to New York City. Jerry Wexler, who we already talked about, do you remember him? No. He's the guy who came up with R&B, the name. Okay. (laughs) Jerry Wexler started working for Atlantic Records, and he helped push R&B forward, breaking new ground. Atlantic paid a lot of attention to the sound quality of their records, so they were notches above everyone else brand new concept to actually care what the record's sound like.
0: That's amazing. Why would we care what <laughs> the music sounds like?
1: Towards the, towards the 50s, R&B started to be known as any music by and for African Americans not aimed at teenagers, since rock and roll had started to corner that market. <coughs> R&B, with its gospel and jazz influences, couldn't hang with the electric energy of emerging rock, so it took on a more mature and sophisticated sound. Towards the end of the 1950s, rhythm and blues started dispensing with the horn section, moving away from the big jazz and swing bands, and this led to the modernization of rhythm and blues. The early to mid-1950s is when a lot of the well-known revolutionary performers started to make their name. People like Ike and Tina Turner, Chuck Berry, Ray Charles, Fats Domino, and James Brown.
0: I do know those names.
1: Yeah. So that's kind of when rhythm and blues, like, made a name for itself it wasn't a catch-all term it started kind of like developing like it had its own sound but it was its own sound was basically swing bands and jump blues but like this is when it was like now we're going to merge that and like make something new and different and actual new its own genre kind of thing and at this point it gets a little bit harder to track rhythm and blues until it's rebirthed as the style we kind of know it as now It was just so broad and all-encompassing. It was basically race records, but exploded. Anything with African-American roots could be considered R&B. Essentially, it served as a category term to make it easier on Billboard and other magazines to like... Segregate? Yeah, well, (laughs) to describe music. To say like, that's what this... Because there was just so much coming from the African-American communities that they were like, we don't know what to do with this, so rhythm and blues. It's kind of like young adult and fiction now. It's really <laughs> like, I don't know what this is. We'll just say it's young adult and make young people buy it. <laughs> so R and B could be whatever you wanted it to be, but it's important to talk about it because it includes so many emerging styles that were so influential. It to like it influenced things like soul, rock and roll, and even eventually hip hop. Once styles within R and B started to be filtered out into their own genres, like. Rock and roll and soul and funk and all of that stuff—you started to see a more distinct R&B style emerge out of all of that. But that happened way later, so we're not going to talk about it right now. Like when? Oh, probably like 80s. Hmm. I mean, really, like the R&B boom was probably like 90s to early 2000s with bands like Boys to Men and all those. All right. Boys well. to
0: Men and all those.
1: <laughs> well there's another like group <laughs> I'm specifically thinking of in my head, but I cannot remember their name for the I life wouldn't of be me. able to. Alright, well that's our little bit about rhythm and blues. Next mm. week Well in, next in week. quotes.
0: Next week. Okay. Coming <laughs> up next. <laughs> Coming up next. Hold on, That's hold how on. We hold should on. Say it. Well how do how do reality shows normalize? S- they normally say like next week.
1: Well, yeah, but they normally have a schedule that they adhere to. We have a schedule that we ignore quite a bit. It's true. So if you guys start paying us, we'll start releasing. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) We'll do every week. We get paid the same amount as American Idol judges.
0: (laughs) Whoa, where is this coming from? I can't compete with Paula Abdul, okay?
1: She's not an American Idol judge anymore. Yeah, but... Who are the American, Katy Perry, is she still doing it? I think, I think. Is Keith Urban still doing it? I think. Let's Google it.
0: Listen, in my heart, it's Simon, Paula, and Randy.
1: I don't think I've watched a single episode since it was those three. Who are the American Idol judges? Oh boy, gave me a list of every single one who has been a judge. (laughs) I don't know. Like Luke Bryan, maybe Lionel Richie.
0: What? Oh, I forgot about Lionel Richie.
1: Yeah, don't know. Anyway, so pay us like you they get paid. No. And then we'll release it every no. week.
0: No, <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> I'll throw up an OnlyFans and you can pay us there.
0: Whoa.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, next.
0: We need to turn this <laughs> off before <laughs> you start making any
1: other promises. Next episode is going to be about Little Richard, who was a character. And I'm excited I've to talk about I've been hearing
0: about Little Richard. Uh, I've been hearing about your excitement about this next episode for flat. months.
1: It's been a while since I wrote it. So I don't exactly remember. And it could fall so flat. So it's going to be but a wild <laughs> ride for both of us. I'm hoping it's as exciting as I remember it being when I wrote it. You were pretty excited. Well, I left out some of the racier stuff. Why? Because I just, it just felt inappropriate to talk. He got arrested for some things that weren't great. I don't know. It just felt, it was not music related. It was, I don't know. I just left out a lot of the You more.
0: left out the tea? <laughs> yeah. Why?
1: <laughs> it wasn't fun tea.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Okay. Well, yeah. So whenever we release another episode, it'll be about Little Richard, and it'll be great. Anything? So please say?
0: don't forget about this. <laughs> well, Merry Christmas and a happy holiday. That's
1: true. I guess if we don't have another episode out until after yeah, Christmas. we I will. Have a good Christmas. All <laughs> 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 right. Goodbye, everyone. Have oh Christmas. <laughs>